0: Hello, friend. Welcome to the Happy Family Club. We're delighted to have you join us. Our mission is to help you have a happier, stronger family. We do that by bringing you the world's greatest experts in family, marriage, parenting, and relationships. We interview them to discover their secrets, their strategies, their techniques, and bring them to you so that you can cherry pick exactly what you need right now to have more success and more joy in your family
1: and if you enjoy this interview we encourage you to share it with your friends and your family and come on to the happyfamilyclub.com and see if you can find more information that's going to help you and your family be happier
0: again thanks so much for joining us enjoy the interview Hey guys, welcome to the Happy Family Club podcast. We're so excited to have Andre and Jonathan here with us today. You guys are in for an amazing experience as we talk with them. The background that these two gentlemen have is just absolutely incredible. We've had so much joy learning about them and, and digging into their background and discovering what brought them here. And so we're going to learn some more about that today as well.
1: And what work they're doing oh, for the world. It's the work, so amazing.
0: The work these guys are doing is incredible. incredible. Absolutely. So just as a, as a brief introduction, I, I actually I wanted to say, I emailed you guys a little earlier, but I, I said these guys off and note and said, hey, give me an introduction because as some of you might know, I, I have been MC at hundreds of conferences and events. I've been keynote speaker at lots of places. I've introduced hundreds of speakers uh, around the world. And so I'm always amused when I ask for a, a bio or an introduction, what comes back, right? It tells a lot about the individual. And, uh, and I got two short sentences. Andre is the founder of The Bulletproof Husband, and Jonathan is the you know, is a master coach and author of The Bulletproof Husband book. And I was like, now that is like awesome. I, I think that that was one of the best things I've ever heard because it shows the humility. It shows the strength of character. It's like we don't have to brag about ourselves. Our work speaks for itself. And I just, I just loved the approach. So anyway, thank you guys for being here. Now I'm going to add a few more things. Do you want to add something else?
1: Yeah. Well, one thing I loved about Andre when I was learning about you, Andre, is just that you saw a need in the world, dozens of men that were needing help and they were having a hard time in their marriage and they just didn't have any resources to deal with it and to figure it out. And and you saw that need and you wanted to fill that need. And now you've created all these tools and resources for people that, and for thousands of men to help them in their marriages and their families and help their children to have a stable life. And it's, I, I really, really look up to you for what you're doing out yeah. there. So,
0: and I, and I want to say too about Jonathan, you know, Jonathan of first has a doctorate in ministry and has done incredible work in you know, in, in your know, Bible and spirituality and textbooks. He's spoken around the world. He's done incredible stuff. But I think the thing that I admire most about you, Jonathan, is, is that you took these tools that Andre has created, applied them personally to transform your life, which is a ton of work. I mean, that is not a light thing. And then you're like, you know what? This is amazing. I'm going to turn around and share this with other people, which you've done. And so it's just, and now your new book that's out, um co-authored by Andre and a couple others that contributed and just very, very excited for what's about. We'll talk more about the book later. <laughs> later anyway. All right. So,
1: so thanks
2: for
0: being yeah, here. So thank you it's so much nice. for being here.
2: Thanks
0: for having us. Yeah. Okay. So I, I would love to jump in. Um, you know, the question of the day is, is, you know, is there one principle that you guys could share with our community that would help them to have a happier family? And and i guess before we dive into that specifically maybe you could just share a little bit about your backgrounds and specifically i'm most interested is in your passion like what brought you to this space where you're doing this incredible work for men around the world so i'd love to hear your insights on that maybe andre you can start us off
3: yeah cool thank you thank you i appreciate it yeah it's been a seven-year journey um I'm 36 and when I started the bulletproof husband I was 30. So one of the one of the big challenges I had in front of me is how do I get through to men and not have the age come in the way. Some mm-hmm. of the men I uh, worked with had children older than me. Mm-hmm. I was able to get I was able to get through to them. And my passion really comes from uh my childhood and some of the traumas and experiences from my childhood. Uh, My parents divorced when I was just two months, uh, yeah, two months shy of five, and um, it caused a lot of trauma, Um, you know, from bullying to not having a father figure. Uh, My father left to Canada at that time. I was living in Hungary with my mother. My sister was there. I was in a very feminine environment, so I didn't have that male role model, that masculine role model. My grandfather passed away when I was nine. and fitting it to school and life in general was difficult because some of the experiences that my friends had, especially coming from a small town, I didn't have that. It was really hard to relate some of the things their father was teaching them, but I didn't have a father to teach me that. Yeah. So that came with all these difficulties and um, insecurities that kind of piled up over time. And uh, as I was getting older and older, school, high school, university, these insecurities became more and more um, pronounced, yeah. and they were impacting different areas of my life. Um, I, I wasn't able to be authentic. Um, I doubted myself, wow. and uh, decisiveness was a challenge. Um, And actually, I made my age the excuse for everything. Because typically, I surrounded myself with older people all the time. And I brought in my age as something that's in the way for me to be at their level because they're older. Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. And, And then when I was 24, I started a personal development journey, which really transformed everything. It really put me in this masculine realm. And allowed me to experience what it is to have healthy, authentic, masculine relationships. Yeah. And when that started, I really dove in and I I, I went all in. Um, I went to, you know, um, fire meetups with other men, um, did a lot of work on myself, a lot of introspection, got a lot of clarity around what it means to be a man and how to relate to other men, how to relate to women. And I did a lot of volunteer work in that realm for about six years. And in the meanwhile, I was working various corporate jobs, kind of hopping one ear to the other, from one job to the other. I just it wasn't fulfilling. Um, specifically, I was in sales and I was always in the top three, but it, 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 it there was something missing. And
2: um, I said, okay, well, I, I don't like... I don't like this corporate gig. I'm I'm not getting any fulfillment.
3: Um, I'm really passionate about helping men. I get through to men. Yeah. M- my age at that point wasn't an issue. I- I've gotten really grounded in who I am. Yeah. And uh, then I was taking a shower at home uh 2017. And in the shower, I popped the bulletproof husband. And so um yeah, I, I called uh I called uh Gary Menezes, who was who was my uh, uh personal and business coach at the time. Um I called my co-founder, uh John Scannell, and I said, I think I got it. I think this yeah. is what I'm gonna do, and, and I would, you know, love for the two of you to be on this journey with me. You know, John at that time was he had three jobs, two kids. Um, Gary was involved in other stuff too. Um, but we, we made it happen we, we kicked it off. We, we tested it and, and the need was there just like I thought it would be. And I was able to merge my passion with, uh, also providing for the family and really doing what I, what I, what I love, making a difference for men. Uh, but more importantly, impacting children, because really at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the general generational change that, that I'm always looking for yeah um yeah so here we are yeah.
0: yeah go ahead i i just want to say it's amazing like how much of my story you just told i mean i was nine when my parents divorced my dad abandoned us and you know so in a lot of the behavior like you, you know the insecurities the indecision the roaming from job to job it's like does that sound familiar babe
1: sounds familiar <laughs>
0: So, so uh, Jonathan, I want to get to your backstory in just a minute, but there's something you said that was really interesting to me. You said I think it was about age 24, 25. You said, you know, I just I really started on a personal, you know, development journey and and dug into masculinity, et cetera. Um, you know, what I'm interested in is the precipitating event. Like, what caused that switch to happen? Because what we've seen is so many men, they they, you know, it's like the old story of the. Uh, have you heard that old the farm anecdote, where the you know the guy walks by the farmhouse and there's a hound dog sitting on the porch and he's moaning, and 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 he, and he stops and he asks the owner, he says, "Well, he says, well, what's your dog moaning about?" He says, "Well, he's sitting on a nail." He says, "Well, why didn't he get up?" He says, "Well, he's too lazy of a dog to get up, and so he just moans about it, right?" Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I and I think sometimes men, because we're afraid to ask for help, we just we just suffer. And, but you didn't, you, you, something shifted in your head. And I would love to see if you have an insight under why that happened. What happened?
3: There? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I started my first job, January 4th, 2011, wow. just right out of university. And, um, I had a colleague there named Quentin. And, uh, one day we, we drove to work together back and forth. And one day he, uh, we were driving back home from work. And uh, he looked at me and said, "Hey, I think uh, I think I have something for you that might be of great value. Um, I I can tell that you have some challenges, unresolved stuff with your father, and um, I like to take you. I like to take you somewhere and uh, and and actually introduce you to a few people. And so I did. That was my first, uh, I guess, guest fire night
2: yeah. with
3: uh, a bunch of men who've been, you know." doing that type of work yeah. and I and I went and then uh I went to the next one and then I went to the next one and then I did some programs related to that and um uh, from there on it was just
0: up. that's awesome
2: uh, what I love about
0: that is there was a there was a friend who was observant and caring and stepped in and and honestly I see as I look at your guys because you know I got a marketing background as I look at your guys marketing your message how you reach out and connect with people. I actually see that kind of approach reflected in everything you guys do. It's like, hey, we care about you and we're going to share this. You've got some unresolved concerns, so let's help. And it, and it shows up everywhere in what you guys do. So it's really cool. That backstory makes sense now. So good.
4: Thank you. Uh,
0: Jonathan, tell us a little bit about your uh, reason why and your journey for being
4: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I come from a different perspective. I wasn't there at the beginning. I'm not a founder. I came in because I needed the bulletproof husband. And I came in because of sitting on the nail. I was the dog moaning. (laughs) My wife actually asked me a similar question a few years into the process of being in Bulletproof Husband. She said, Why is it so hard for men to actually deal with their stuff? You know, we see this over and over again that until they get what we call the slap, which is Mm -hmm. it could be finding out that she's having an emotional affair. It could be that she wants a separation, a divorce. There's many variations of the slap, but it's a wake up call for men. And it's really, it's the picture that came out of me when she asked me about it was this idea of what I call the bucket of pain. And Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, every man's carrying around a bucket of pain from his childhood, from his, you know, Adolescent, teen years, all of that. And we shove it down and we ignore it. We don't know what to do with the pain. Yeah. And because we drag it forward with us, we then get into a relationship and she is getting exposed to all the pain that we're carrying. Mm-hmm. And then there's enough pain outside that says you have to deal with the bucket of pain or your whole life will be pain. You'll lose your job, your marriage, your kids. You know all of that stuff, there becomes enough leverage to say "I'll finally look at the bucket of pain." Well, for me, I carried my bucket of pain around till I was about thirty five years old, and it crashed my whole life i at an international ministry traveled to thirty five countries, lecturing an online school with thousands of students, uh you know doctorate in theology, fifteen books i'd I'd written, I don't know twelve at that point, something. And the whole thing came to a collapse. And at that point, we we separated, my wife and I, for three months. I went and got counseling five days a week. I was like, I've got to fix me. It's not okay. I have three young daughters. I want this marriage to work. I want uh, my family to survive. But I couldn't. I wasn't making any progress. I I spent you know the three months in counseling. I thought I was making progress. My wife thought. Maybe he's making progress. She took me back in. This was 2018, so she took me back in, and we we lived through 2019, and then when uh, the COVID lockdown started to happen around February, March 2020, we're living in upstate New York at that time, and so the lockdowns were really intense. And she's with me all the time in the house, and she's like, "You haven't changed." And uh-huh. she she's talking to a counselor at that point, who's saying, "We've worked with." Men like your husband for the last forty years, and they don't change like that was his perspective his track record was like, pair for divorce, give up hope not 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 my favorite counselor in the world, but you know that was his perspective it's and, like
0: saying when the team's failing, maybe it's the
4: coach, right give up the game right so <laughs> anyway. it, it was it was uh it was kind of the death sentence at that point, but it was. It wasn't just that. At the, around, around the same time of March 2020, my best friend, who was the senior pastor of my church, gave me a letter saying, you're not welcome at church anymore. So I got kicked out of church. I got former staff members start writing uh, nasty blogs about me and putting you know all kinds of shaming stuff out to the world. So it was like a wave of stuff. And this was two years after I had collapsed everything. And I thought I'd worked on myself I was going to uh, sex addiction 12-step meetings because I had talked to the counselor and said where can I find somewhere where guys are honest and they said go here yeah <laughs> so I started attending 12-step groups I was uh, I was doing online stuff I I went to a place they put electrodes on your head and they listen to the brain waves and then they play it back for you as an audio and it it was it was shocking how it started to wake up all this childhood trauma that I didn't know was there. Yeah, One time I'd sit down with a counselor. They'd say, "You know, tell me about your childhood," and it was all rosy, and I thought it was great. I could yeah. hardly remember um, almost any memories, and so it wasn't until I did that that process in the spring of 2020 that all these memories started to come up. But it was actually. Uh, inside of the Bulletproof Husband, which I joined in May of 2020, that I could then process those memories. And so it was, the memories came up, but I needed somewhere to actually share with men and feel heard and get that stuff out and actually have a a model of how to get it out. Because that was, that was a lot of what I'd done up to that point. And then, you know, I have all these, books behind me. I used to be a massive reader and very intellectual, but I was so detached from my emotional life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my, my wife was not experiencing the authentic core heart of who I am. We would just argue and cycle around. At that point, we were married 14 years and uh, thousands, thousands of arguments that you know, they, it would be this thing where she'd bring something to my attention and I'd get defensive and run away. And wow. I'd basically stonewall for a few days and then things would smooth out and we'd be okay for a few days and then she'd bring something else to my attention and the cycle would repeat.
2: Right over. Yeah.
4: It it was it was endless like that until I came across the material and it the it was shocking how fast because we were still meeting with a marriage counselor at this point. And after being in Bulletproof for two weeks, she said to him, "He's making the changes I've been waiting years for. Wow. I just don't trust that it's going to last." Yeah, and I think, okay, well, I'm on the right track. <laughs> oh,
0: this is great! Like, wow, step in the right direction. This is cool. It's,
4: yeah, so that's how I got here. Thanks. You know, from there, it took it took about 90 days in the program, which is very fast. I mean, I, I don't want to you know give the the impression that everybody does this, but for our situation, in 90 days, her counselor who was saying give up hope said, I don't know what they're doing in this group, but it's like a miracle. And you guys should get back together. He did a 180 in three months as he observed from a distance what was happening. And so we were back together by August of 2020. Andre invited me to be in the coaching program in the fall of 2020. And uh, I became the first certified coach uh, the following year, and then we said, "Let's write the book." And I have the skill set of lots of writing, but this was this was a new task for me to actually have three co-authors and work through the process of how do I share material that has benefited my life, but wasn't wasn't material that I found um, my own study. Like it, it really. I feel like a, like a, like a steward or something of the material that's been given. Like, like it's a, it's a high honor to be able to actually carry this out to the world. Sure. So that's been part of a little bit of my journey.
0: You know, but, but in truth, um, you know, cause I saw you, you've got a, a masterful book and a textbook that deal with the Bible and digging the whole Bible, et cetera. And, yeah and And in that respect, you have already been on that journey of taking and being a steward of truth and and sharing it with the world you know you took God's truth and shared it um, you know i yeah. we, we, probably Spencer so so God had already prepared you to write that book in my opinion so that's just that
4: that I'm, I'm, I'm a gift of God to Andre and the bulk <laughs> <laughs> actually I
0: was wondering i since i don't know, I want to get into the actual question but you know. Andre, I wonder, wonder what that feels like to you um, to hear Jonathan's story. I mean, you've heard it a lot, but just knowing that what you did is this—you know, thirty-something-year-old punk kid. <laughs> I'm saying that facetiously. You know, look at the change you've had in in individuals' lives. I just wonder what that experience was like to hear that story.
3: Um. Well, Jonathan doesn't know this, but uh, there's been a few times I've heard his story where I've always uh, cried a little bit because it's so overwhelming. A bit tearing up to now. Um,
2: It's really amazing. Not only that he... I resonate with him a lot, not only because
3: of the story, but because he went up against all odds. Yes. Um, And when I was breaking through with TBH... Um, the bulletproof husband, yeah. I felt I had all the odds against me. Um, you know, I, I didn't have kids at that time. Um, I, I was young and, uh, it's like, how am I going to get through to people who are, again, have sons older than me? Yeah. So all that uphill battle, all the odds against me. And, and I see, I see, I see that in his story as well, because, you know, ministry out of the ministry, um, you know, two slaps from his wife, um, you know, narcissistic, oh, he cannot change. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. All the licensed professionals are telling him that. So I admire that, the tenacity, the persistence. Um, I'm honored that uh, he was able to trust us and take a leap of faith Mm -hmm. in actually not only learning the tools, but implementing them. Because one of the things that the Bulletproof husband is very strong on is implementation. Um Actually, taking the tools—it's not an intellectual course. You will learn a lot. It will open your eyes. But if you don't put it into action, and every tool is actionable, yeah. then it's not going to move the needle anywhere in your life, for your kids, for 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 your wife. Nobody. And the fact that he he did that is uh, it's uh, it's humbling. And any other man, we have a lot of success stories. Everybody who commits to that and actually takes that step and there has to be a little trust you know that's why that's why we're a membership first and foremost because we want easy access so you can see that hey this is real all you need to do is learn it implement it and so i always get emotional with jonathan's story because it's a beautiful story it's one of those stories where everything's against you and the probability of success and achievement is very low yet you push through and you make it happen and you turn everything around. So it's it's always an emotional experience for me to hear a story.
2: love it.
3: Thank you.
0: So here's, I I really want our listeners to take two things away and then we're going to dive in here. But first of all, I love how both of you came to a point where you're willing to be vulnerable. I mean, even though the slap happened in one way or another to both of you, there was, a, there was a willingness to be vulnerable. And then there was a willingness of somebody else to reach out and to share that experience. And then there was that, you know, w- what I love about the, both the stories is in both cases, there's like a, there's something very manly and very like um, powerful that rose up in you guys says, okay, we're not going to just listen. We're going to do. We're going to try to be hearers of the word. We're going to be doers of the word. We're going to go out there. We're going to implement this. Yeah. We're going to apply. We're going to, you know, fight for our families, we're gonna fight for other people's families, we're gonna fight for you know, I love I love your motto. I'm gonna get it wrong, but it's like we have bulletproof husbands so that marriages will stay together so that children don't have to go through the trauma, right? I, again I slaughtered your
4: your motto there, but that was close, right? <laughs> you got the heart, yeah.
0: Yeah. So um so you know, you guys listening, especially men and women too, but especially men, I, I want you to recognize that there is a massive amount of hope, but to get to that hope, you got to be willing to be a little vulnerable and you got to be willing to act. And, and if you do that, then transformations are absolutely possible when you got the right tools, which is why we're interviewing you guys, because exactly we want, the, we want them to have the right tools. So let's talk about that for just a minute. What, what's, that, what's a key principle that you believe will lead to happier families for these
2: guys? The spine. The spine of the program, which is emotional self-sufficiency.
3: Mm. So I I want you to look at emotional self-sufficiency as the backbone of the Bulletproof Husband. Yeah, it's in the name bullets equals insecurities. Mm. Becoming emotionally self-sufficient is getting rid of your insecurities. Mm-hmm. And that's an emotional process. So we have all these dozens and dozens of tools, but they all are attached to this backbone of emotional self-sufficiency because that is what brings permanent change. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's all we're interested in about. That's all we care about is permanent change. We want to make sure that when a man takes on the work and implements the work, those changes stay forever. They're not just, uh, I'm going to change for a week or two months or until my wife comes back or until I can move back home. No, this is is the way of life. And uh, all the other tools that we teach, they don't worth much unless the emotional self sufficiency is there, which is the backbone. And it is also one of the hardest components of the Bulletproof Husband. In a man's life, we've had men from Navy SEALs, Marines, uh, all kinds of military backgrounds, and every single one of them says, I've never done anything as difficult in mastering as pulling my bullets, getting rid of my insecurities. Doesn't matter what Navy SEAL training I went to and what I had to go through in terms of getting ready for serving my country. Nothing has been as difficult as connecting with my emotions and being able to deal with my emotions versus running away from them um but it's it's permanent and it's it's a it's a game changer for
2: everybody and the coolest thing is it's immediately noticeable Mm. immediately now typically when a wife gives the slap to the husband and the husband
3: implements these changes the wife will be the last one to acknowledge the changes. But when <laughs> others are starting to see it around the man, the wife is noticing at the same time as well. Yeah. But she's not going to boost his ego because she's pissed at
0: him right now.
3: Right. <laughs> things are not working. So, uh, but it's, it's, it's immediate. So yeah. Hope that kind of answers your question or, or yeah, gives I, you a little.
0: I'm going to ask a follow-up question, but I, I just, I don't know if John and you've got anything else to add to that before you. Well, yeah,
4: I, I think it says it really well. The picture of the spine really adds because there are a lot of tools. It's not, yeah. it's not just one, but there is this core and knowing, uh, you know, if, if you're on the other side of the fence where you're not emotionally self-sufficient, uh, what that feels like to a woman is so scary to have a man who's needy and triggerable and insecure and if you try to bring something to his attention, he shuts down or he explodes. Uh, it's such a painful experience to be with a man who is uh, not emotionally self sufficient, and uh, that, and yet that's that's the standard. I mean, that's that's the average, typical, normal relationship is uh, because there's very few that do the hard emotional work to become emotionally self sufficient we become self sufficient in other parts of our life if you think about it when you're when you're an infant you're completely dependent on the adults around you to feed you change you take care of you and you become independent and you grow to you know know how to go to the grocery store cook your own food you know feed yourself clothe yourself all of that and then you can become interdependent with another person and you share the load. You buy the groceries. I cook the dish and dinner. You wash the dishes. Like we become interdependent. But if you don't do that emotionally, a lot of people are, are living in a dependent stage emotionally and then meeting up with another person. And you're both dependent on each other instead of emotionally self-sufficient. And you've reached that place of solidness to come into a relationship. Yeah. You know, we spent almost 15 years in the pain of both of us being uh, not emotionally self sufficient, and it, it it's chaos and it's painful. And I'm sure many people listening can relate to this, or maybe you know somebody else who can relate to it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope
0: my friend will listen to
4: this. Right, <laughs> sorry, I know a guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> my spouse needs to hear
2: this. Um, <laughs>
1: hey there it's margie we hope you're enjoying this podcast
0: yeah i hope you know that you can go to the happyfamilyclub.com and see many other interviews and get a whole bunch of other resources materials free things paid things all kinds of stuff there's an entire membership there where you get exclusive access to all of our best tools and resources. Our mission is to bring you the world's best resources and insights from the world's best experts so that you can have a happier family and have more joy. So go check it out, thehappyfamilyclub.com. Now, let's get back to the interview. So maybe, maybe you, you started touching on it, but... Um, This idea of what it looks like when you are emotionally dependent, maybe you guys can paint a compare and contrast of what that looks like in a relationship. And then what, how does it show up to be independent, this emotional independence? What does that look like? Maybe you guys can address that real quick.
2: I'll let you start on it. Sure. When a man, Okay.
3: Before I go there, I, I want to, moving forward, the tools and everything we're going to talk about, I really want to set the foundation or the context where I'm coming from. Okay. Uh, the Bulletproof Husband differentiates significantly between the feminine and the masculine. Mm-hmm. So everything that we talk about, um, you know, we, we believe men and women are equal. We believe the men, you know, feminine and masculine are equal, equal opportunity, all of that. Okay. and. The feminine and masculine are not the same. Two very different animals uh, with different skill sets, different uniqueness, um, different abilities, different communication styles. Um, And it's important to understand that because when we talk about tools... The understanding of these differences are critical. And I think it will set the context for you when I speak about certain tools,
2: including answering your question, where I'm coming from.
0: Okay? Thank you. So
2: we believe that it is the husband's job to fulfill
3: the wife's emotional needs. Mm. But it is not the other way around. It is not the wife's job to fulfill the husband's emotional needs. The husband needs to be emotionally self-sufficient and lead the way. And he should be doing that through his healthy masculine relationships. Now, we're not saying that you can't rely on your wife for emotional support and things like that. Okay.
2: Yeah.
3: It's the dependency, the need. Right, So the husband shouldn't need the wife to fulfill his emotional needs. Because when that happens, then the wife starts to get suffocated. Because the, for the feminine to express and to, to, to be in her feminine, it's critical to be able to express those emotions. And if the husband, the masculine, cannot create that safe space for her to do so, then she will start to feel suffocated. 99% and I'm not saying 100% to just go with the you know the germ commercials it kills 99% of the germs <laughs> yeah yeah that's what this is okay so 99% of affairs start as emotional affairs mm-hmm. because the 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 husband is not capable of fulfilling her emotional needs she's giving signals and signs for years and at some point she says okay well Can't breathe anymore. I'm I'm suffocated in this relationship. I can't be myself. I I'm losing my identity. I can't express myself. And so she then goes to a girlfriend, or another man, you know, to get that need met. And then from there it could turn into a physical affair because of course the man at that point who she's going to wants one and only one thing, which is to
2: get into her pants. Yeah, that's the that is the um, short-term, short-term overview,
3: okay? Yeah, yeah. Does that kind of make sense?
0: It does make sense, 100%, yes.
3: Yeah, okay. And
0: I love love the clear distinction of the reality of the difference between masculine and feminine because there is a major difference. And I think that a lot of times we get into trouble because we try to cobble and have this egalitarian perspective uh, of those roles. Uh, I once heard it say to me that, you know, um, men are 100% being better at being men than women are, and women are 100% being better at being women than men are. And in just this this comparison, of, there are these two different forces, and, and actually there are roles that are important. So I love that distinction, and it really gives a clear idea about where you're coming from. Yeah.
3: yeah it even goes for... Um you know, on the on the parent side, like there's certain things that a mother can do that the father just doesn't have the same skill set and vice versa. Right. And yes. of course, the two of you know that really well with a little army of yours. So um, cool. So coming back to that, when we talk about emotional self-sufficiency and how that shows up in a relationship, well, if a man is emotionally self-sufficient, he's no longer distracted by needing to fill certain voids because of his insecurities that the wife typically would have failed in the past. Yeah. Because when we're in honeymoon stage and everything is lovey-dovey, those things are not at the surface yet. But as time goes on, um, the curtain falls and both the wife and the husband will start to show their true self or including their insecurities.
2: Yeah.
3: And at some point, the fulfillment of each other's voids are not going to be there anymore. And then that's when the reactions come. But if a man's taking care of those, pulled his insecurities, dealt with his bullets, then he can now create a safe space, so that uh, which which actually helps the wife pull her bullets. The process of pulling the wife's bullets are very different. Now, the husband cannot do that for the wife. The wife has to do it. But the husband is critical in creating that safe space to facilitate her to be able to do that. And so that's that's what's possible. That's why we have so many uh, success stories where the, the wife comes to the husband and says, you know what, I need to work on myself. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been seeing the changes that you're going through. Um, you've been consistent with it. I believe these changes now. I see that this is who you are. And it's starting to highlight things that I need to work on now. So the wife will take on his leadership, and then she'll start to explore different ways of working on herself. Um, so that's 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 kind of the pros and cons that I can uh, shed light on on what it looks like in a relationship. Um, Jonathan, anything you want to add?
4: Yeah, it, it's I think culturally because most people have that emotional dependency inside their relationship. It's such an important question of what could it, what can it look like yeah. without the independence phase. Uh, and then there's, I think what we, we miss is that you move through three phases. You're dependent, then you become healthy, self-sufficient, solid. Now you're independent, but then you actually surrender to your commitment. You made a commitment to take care of raising these children, to be in this committed relationship, and that's the commitment back to interdependence. Mm. I'm going to actually be in this relationship together with, the, with my spouse. And at the same time, I'm also going to make sure I'm also emotionally self-sufficient. And that's, that's an interesting dance at times because, you know, I, I, there's my wife knows if she brings something to my attention, I'll hear her. I'll take responsibility. And I'll say, uh, you know what? I will take a look at that. And then I'll bring it over here and talk to my men about it and say, okay, she said that this and this and this. Do you see that? And they'll say, yeah, you totally do that. (laughs) Okay. Help me find where it's coming from and that, you know, there's something way back here that, that she was poking at that I didn't realize, like, where that was coming from. And Help me do the emotional work so that I can bring it back to her and say, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. And this is where it came from. I can see how it's impacted our relationship. I can see how it's affected you. And, and now she's feeling extremely heard and seen and understood and valued. And it's, it's just really powerful for our connection. But I don't, I don't make her my counselor. And I think that's the unfortunate thing that a lot of husbands do is if, if they're not just running away when something's brought to their attention, if they're listening, then they might then turn it back to, well, you know, and they turn her into their therapist. And that's right. a burden to a lot of, a lot of wives. It's, it's, and it's not the point of what happens inside that is it kills the polarity between the masculine and the feminine. Yeah. No, there's there's such confusion about this in our culture right now. Like we talk about egalitarian and there's egalitarian and there's complementarian, you know, these different concepts of subservient women or equal women. And that's one piece of the puzzle. There's also gender roles where people talk about, well, who washes the dishes and who raises the children, and that's another piece of the conversation. But the masculine feminine is like a dynamic in nature. You know, the masculine is Uh, much, it's a solid picture. Yeah, I know you guys are, you have a faith background. So if you go through and you see, you know, when King David writes in his songs about God, he talks about God as a fortress, a tower, a shield, a rock. It's all Mm -hmm. these solid things. But then he talks about the feminine side of God as Holy Spirit. He talks about water, wind, waves, oil, fire, things that are constantly changing.
2: Mm
4: if you look at any religion on the, around the world, you look at ancient times, there's always an understanding in them of the masculine and feminine as like a solid, unchanging immovable thing. And the feminine as a moving, shifting, dancing, blowing in the wind, palm trees on the beach, mm-hmm. and you know, these, these dynamics between the two. And we've got to make sure that we don't lose that in our relationship. So, when we lose that, it, it actually loses the attraction. The attraction is you have to have both, like north and south pole magnets pull toward each other. Mm-hmm. When you're both north, they repel. When you're mm-hmm. both south, they repel. And so that that dynamic gets lost when a man is triggerable because he moves from this solid masculine into this flashy, scary man. And it's it's not it's not attractive and yeah. lose that
0: and and we've seen we've seen that women and i we've seen this in a relationship where sometimes when that happens then the woman with her mama bear instinct says okay then i've got to create solidity in the family for these children yeah. and so i'm going to step up right and and we see them now they're trying to and i saw this when my dad left i saw this with my mom i was like okay well now i've got to be now i've got to be hardcore That's like great. i i've got to be the solid i've got to be the shield and and then but playing both sides it was just i mean again seeing it in my mom it was just it was literally almost impossible it was, it was very very hard
4: it's painful and exhausting on both sides it is.
0: oh yeah. My, yeah my mom my mom would go my mom would work super hard and then she'd have these like two or three days of just total collapse and she'd just like it was crazy so i uh, she she's a hero. She did amazing stuff.
1: But I love what you're doing in in building up the man so much that the wife now has the freedom to now work on herself and then the interdependency that you talked about. That's beautiful. Interdependence is so cool. Yeah. Beautiful.
0: So we, I I don't know, again, I um I, I don't wanna dig into all your secrets. Well, I we actually do, but no, we, we don't have time to dig into all your secrets, but and there's some practical ways that we can get to this this emotional self sufficiency. Is there something that we can like start applying right now today that you could share with us uh, and give us some insights on like action things because it's all about application, right? Mm-hmm. Taking action. So where where do we go from here?
3: Moving away from the head and into your heart and your feelings, which uh, you know, for the man of today is a difficult concept because boys don't cry and all kinds of different you know societal societal um impacts that men have had when they were growing up and uh that that kind of trains you to stay away from it to suppress everything to push everything down i got to look good i have to impress um you know i, I can't I, I have to hide away from that they can't find this out about me um and so all of those thoughts go on these we have different personalities. Everybody has multiple personalities. And we we need to get down to the deepest one, the the one where we're so honest with ourselves, and uh, we're so
2: open to actually entertaining um, these feelings that are inside of us.
3: To help you with the implementation, I'm going to talk a little bit about what insecurity is okay because surprisingly if you ask therapists and counselors a lot of them can't really see it concisely and insecurity is very simple it's it's suppressed hurt that's all an insecurity is Mm. it's hurts that you have acquired from your childhood your young life and you've suppressed down and something happens an event Somebody passes away, parents divorce, um, you get bullied, whatever that may be. And as a child, we're not capable of blaming others for why that event happened. The automatic place where we go to is blaming ourselves wow. as children. okay, and, and the majority of the deepest bullets that a man can have come from the age of 5 to 8 and 11 to 13. Five to eight is when a boy experiences failure for the first time, the notion of failure. Mm -hmm. And 11 to 13 is when uh, the sense of belonging, the need to belong starts to get established and all the hardships that come with that.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, And so because the child's brain is not developed to blame others, he goes blames himself and he concludes things about himself. I am stupid, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, whatever that may be. And um, he then develops very creative survival behaviors so that he doesn't have to feel the hurt and the pain again, right? If I'm bullied and I conclude that I'm weak, I'm going to go to the gym and work out and I'm going to be a big guy so nobody can take advantage of me. If the teacher calls me stupid in the classroom, then I'm going to be an expert reader and I'm going to educate myself and I will be an intellectual, right? These are examples of the overcompensation that starts to happen. But in reality, the suppressed hurt is still there. Yeah. It hasn't been dealt with. So the child whose teacher called him stupid when he was in grade
2: two or three um, will be always on the lookout who thinks that he's
3: stupid. He'll always be on the lookout to portray himself as someone who's very smart Mm -hmm. so that nobody can really find out that deep down, because of his suppressed hurts, he thinks he's stupid. Or the weak boy who thinks deep down he's weak, but he's overcompensated so much that from the outside, he looks strong. But deep down, He still has the fear of being weak, right? And so when you you get the the psychology behind that and you get that, okay, young boys do not think their way into this. They feel their way into this. Well, now you then start to understand, okay, as counterintuitive as it may sound, I need to feel my way out of this. I cannot think my way out of this. January 1st comes, I'm going to go to the gym, New Year resolution. I do it for two, three weeks, and then I'm back to the same pattern. Well, it's because willpower is being used, but the real reason as to why you're not not wanting to go to the gym, which is governed by insecurities and suppressed hurt, hasn't been dealt with. So then we fall back in the same cycle with, you know, Jonathan mentioned a lot of those same cycles that he went through. But once he dealt with the suppressed hurt, then, yeah. So... Uh, The short version of, I give you the long version just to understand the background. The short version of what this looks like is genuinely um, taking one of the two approaches, gathering with men that you trust, men who don't judge you, and engaging in emotional work, which means that connecting with your feelings and then allowing your body to express those feelings in whatever way that may sound. For some men, and and do not do it in front of your wife, okay? Because for the wife, this is scary. This is a scary thing to experience, Um, even sometimes for men. So it might be yelling, screaming. It might be crying. And I mean crying. Like, imagine a five-year-old boy who didn't get his candy crying, bawling for an hour, boogers all over his face. And I'm talking really grieving, really grieving all that suppressed hurt out, right? So it has different ways that it looks. And of course, most men don't have access to healthy masculine relationships from the get-go like that. So it is critical that you master this doing it on your own also. In private, somewhere where you're alone, where you're not distracted by anybody, where you can truly express yourself. And then in, the, in, in parallel, you want to start building masculine relationships, which is something we promote um, at The Bulletproof Husband, and it's very life-changing when, uh, when you can really share, be vulnerable, and you're not judged for it. And uh, so really, those are the, the, the parts. Uh, you want to connect with your feelings, allow your feelings to, ex- um, to, to get into some form of expression through your body. And then uh, eventually, sometimes this will show up as anger or frustration, but eventually it will uh, give you access to the hurt. And once you have access to the hurt, the grieving process starts of that suppressed hurt. And that's permanent physiological change in your body when you let go of that. Your energy field shifts, everything just uh, totally transforms. You feel a five ton gorilla off your back. It's just you 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 see the colors differently, you interact with others differently, and it's immediately noticeable
2: yeah now,
3: while these steps are very simple it's 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 kind of like the lottery right winning the lottery is simple. you go to the corner store, buy a ticket, and you win or you don't win right? right, but it's really difficult to actually win it
2: right
3: same thing here because how contour intuitive is based on how we've been raised and how our society is. The steps are very simple, but mastering these steps and, and and taking the leap of faith and having the trust that this actually works, that's that's where most men have challenge, right? And that's where the support structure, speaking to other men, different creative ways that they've done it, comes into uh, uh, importance.
0: What's am- what's amazing is so we have this masculine side that John and Jonathan. I want to hear your feedback on this, pick But it's it's amazing to me. We have this masculine side, and y- At least the way I was raised, and I think that I'm not alone in this, but at least I was raised like being this being the rock, being the shield, being the tower means you don't have feelings, you never crack, you never show emotion. It's like you're just you're stoic and stalwart, period, end of discussion, right? And what's crazy is is that actually that is this huge, either intentional or unintentional lie that we've been fed. Because to be strong and to be solid, we have to deal with those emotions. That's what I'm getting out of this conversation so far, and it's actually those—it's actually processing and dealing with those suppressed hurts—that makes us into the tower, the rock, the solid, the you know, the immovable, right? It is a—it's it's an amazing dichotomy, and I'm not sure that I've ever heard it stated quite so clearly as right now. It's beautiful, right? Amazing. Yeah.
1: You know a, a couple years ago we went to Spain for a week. Yeah. And uh we actually talked to this shaman and he had us hold sticks and beat them into the ground and yelled certain things from our childhood that we wanted to get out and I never quite understood it till so you just explained that Andre.
0: Marjorie <laughs> was like but from a feminine side Marjorie was like that was weird and I was like
1: you loved it. Was like, it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Emotions <laughs> physically out of your body you know and i never i i never grasped it when we were doing it but now as you're explaining this i'm seeing the virtues of it and and how physically experiencing those emotions can change you and the it yeah.
0: <laughs> so under your your perspective on this you're your are jonathan sorry yeah. jonathan yeah. You're
4: yeah, i i think that's such a beautiful concept of how you saw it, and you still didn't quite understand it, and I think that's that's even where a lot of people are at that we uh, this this concept is uh, you know one of the things Andre said, and I, I just want to go back and highlight it the we didn't think our way into the hurt when we were a little kid. Mm-hmm. We felt our way into the hurt, mm-hmm. but then we go to a counselor as an adult and we say, "You know this my wife always says this, and it really bothers me, and I you know I get upset about it. And it's like, you can't think your way out of the childhood hurt that you're carrying around. You still have that bucket full of pain and you're dragging it forward in your life. And That's all the suppressed hurt and pain and emotions with you. And every time you do this emotional work, it's like you're taking one teaspoon out of the bucket. And it's not all like, oh, I pulled all my bullets in a week in the program. No, you're gonna be at this. And, And to give the picture to it, you know, this was why that for me, part of why the change was so fast was because I got after it. I think that I say it this way, the best $75 I ever spent was going to buy a punching bag off of Facebook marketplace
2: <laughs>
4: and tying that in with the, the instruction in the program and how to get in touch with your emotions and how to pull up the suppressed hurt. I would literally exhaust myself every three days. And I needed three days because I would do this emotional work at, to the point that I would lose my voice. And so then it was cough drops and throat coat tea for the next couple of days. And then I would get You out. went all in. I was like, this is it. Like, this is my chance to save my marriage, my kids. Like, I will do it. I'm all in. And it was that that entire summer every three days I, I went after it went after it went after it and and you you'd go through these phases too where at first you're in touch with the present of what's happening my wife said this it made me feel this way so there's a surface level of anger and guys relate to that we feel angry we get that uh, they did a um, they did a study years ago where they put a bunch of uh, testosterone into women and estrogen into men and then they did a journal s- report of like what did you feel what was the experience for you and for the for the women that took the testosterone what they kept saying is I just felt so angry like that was <laughs> and for the, for the men who took the estrogen they're like there's a rainbow of emotions I've never seen before <laughs> so this This concept uh you know we we as men are very aware that we get angry about stuff, but then we just shove it back down, but underneath that, when you break through that layer, there's all this childhood hurt that we've built up, and it really grieving is the word for it that we have to grieve it out and get in touch with, so it' move in the phase through. Anger at the beginning and then sadness and grief and wailing and and letting out all this stuff and loss and mistreatment and all of these feelings that you go through once you break through the layer of anger. And most guys have never been told to get in touch in that way. And so we try to fix it with our head. We try to think our way out of our hurt and that's counseling, that's reading, that's listening to podcasts, blogs, all the stuff for when we actually need to actually sit with our emotions and get them out. And that's a very active thing to do. It's not a it's not passive. You actually really actively have to engage in that work.
3: Um I I want to um I want to uh give you um kind of a an, an image version of what how I look at anger, okay? Yeah. All of you have been to um, a dance club, right? And there are bouncers in front of the dance club, right? And the bouncer decides whether you can, or security, let's call them, whether you can go in or not. They check your ID and all of that. Well, that's what anger is like. Anger is the bodyguard. It prohibits access to suppressed hurt. So, when a man is capable of letting out all that anger, then he's able to get access to the suppressed hurt which is which is a scary process, right Most a lot of men don't want to go there, but once you're able to get through the anger, then it will come very naturally because that's all anger is. Anger is a protection mechanism for men to uh prohibit access to suppressed hurt you know uh thousands of years ago when men went out hunting and uh, the tiger came, they didn't really have time to consult their emotions. They had to go into anger mode and survival mode, right? I mean, uh, it sounds silly, but really that's, that's where it derives from, uh, the, the, the different roles back thousands of years ago. And some of these uh, haven't changed. It's just the environment around us has changed, how society is, but the anger is there to, to, to protect. And it's one of the easiest ways to
2: uh, to hide. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that helpful? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that it's really
4: okay. another picture that I I, I built from that because that that is such a helpful picture is you know when a when a wife comes along and she's pointing at something she gets anger from the man as a response. But knowing that underneath it is all this pain. That's really what's behind it. She's getting the bodyguard response from him mm-hmm. that's pushing away. But the uh, another picture for it would be like in New York City where we have these manhole covers that are in the street. Mm-hmm. The manhole cover, this heavy circular metal disc, is the anger. And it's blocking mm-hmm. it. But if you pull that manhole cover off, there's a sewer of feelings that are old and toxic and painful flowing under that street. And we never think about that. We never think about what's right under my car right now. But if you get the manhole cover out of the way, which is that anger, if you get past that layer, all this stuff flowing underneath there. And that's, that's, that's hard work to do. And like Andre said, you know, we have, we can do that by ourselves and we can do it in community. And the community, we, you know, it's great. We have a Facebook community. We have an online group community. Um, there's, but there's also inside the community, we do events. We have gatherings. We have get togethers and retreats where men can come face to face and do even deeper levels of work. So the Bulletproof husband, lots of opportunity for men to do this work together. Yeah.
0: So and I I just glanced down, I can hardly believe, but we're short on time, which drives me crazy because I really love this. But so I want to talk a little bit more about Bulletproof Husband and give you know our community some more access to that in just a minute. But really quick, I'm fascinated by the both the bodyguard and the sewer cover analogies. And and while we don't have time to get into once we get into the sewer, once we get into the club, like You know, we've talked a little bit about how to address some of those and express those emotions in our physical being. Um, But but the transition point, like getting past the bodyguard is so fascinating to me because I, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but I find that myself and so many times other people I've interacted with and spouses, like you only see the anger and never show the right ID to get past the bodyguard, right? And I wonder if you have some insights on like, that like getting past it is it just an awareness level or are there some mental tips and tricks that you could share with us real quick? Like how do how do we move to that to start into the real work?
3: Getting rid of hurt and anger is the same. It's through your emotions. It's the expression of it that is different. When typically when you're grieving and you're getting rid of your suppressed hurt, it's more of um, you know crying through yeah. crying through grieving um the anger part is probably more physical more more um uh, more loud or, or louder much louder than that um and that's why it's recommended that you do it privately somewhere where nobody can see it um so so for jonathan it's a boxing bag right which means yeah. that when he feels anger he allows the anger to take over um and then he expresses one of the ways his body wants to express that anger is to beat up the body back Yeah. Right? Um we have men who go in the middle of the woods and will scream as a werewolf. Right? Another example. <laughs> I can see her. <laughs> I can see her face. Ooh, that would be an interesting scene. Yeah. That's why you do it you do it Yeah. Uh, right here. here. Oh,
1: my I God. got it. We got acres of forest back there. <laughs>
2: You'll scare your kids. <laughs> just not a
4: full moon, though. Just the full moon. <laughs> um, um,
0: Told me about it a little bit, but there's so much power in what you're saying. So anyway, keep going. I don't want. I don't want to interrupt
3: you. Yeah, yeah, but really, the process is the same. It's through the emotions. It's just the expression of that emotion will look different when it's hurt, and it will look different when it's uh, when it's anger and frustration.
4: Yeah, my my experience of it would be about 10 minutes of letting out the anger, the frustration that's in the present. And when I get to the end of that, I would pause. And there'd be about a minute of just quiet. And I'm, my heart's racing and I'm, I'm feeling all that. But I feel like, oh, I got the anger out. There's this like moment of pause. And then all these old feelings of when else I felt like that. Oh, I had a girlfriend that talked to me that way. Oh, my mom, my older sisters, I used to talk, you know, whatever. And it would that wave would hit and then it would be weeping. And it would go from uh I'm punching the 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 boxing bag, uh the heavy bag, to so now I'm hugging it and I'm wailing and I'm crying and it goes from a puddle of sweat to now a puddle of tears. And just deep, deep, you know, to the point my abs are hurting, and then and then it gets to a point where, oh, it's past, yeah, I let it out, I feel like I'm done, and yeah. now I'm sore abs, sore throat, shoulders, arms, I'm tired, I'm done, I feel like I wrung out the rag of everything connected to that, and and then the next time I had something come up, I would go after it again,
2: That's
4: so
3: I I do want to give a quick uh, uh, caution, okay? So, uh, it is critical to boost confidence for a man before doing emotional work, and it's critical to boost confidence after. Because when you do emotional work, it it will bring you down. Yeah. Right? But if you boost confidence before, then the place where it brings you down from is much higher. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then if you boost confidence back up after, then you're back at the normal level. But now, you've you have cleared the stuff, and now you can go back and be present with your wife, with your kids, and so forth. But the confidence parts is super critical. Yeah, confidence boosting, emotional work, confidence boosting. That's the
0: thirty-second 30, 30 what, what does that look like? Boosting confidence. What, what comes to my mind is like partly seeing things as they really are, because I have a tendency to, to to look at and degrade lots of stuff about what I do and. And oftentimes when I look at it like, oh, is that really true? Am I really terrible at that? I'm like, oh, actually, no, I'm not. But I, but maybe there's a different approach, right? So,
3: well, I could talk another hour about that because we okay. have yeah. many tools for that.
0: But here's the short version. Um,
3: one of the areas where men are uh, dependent on their wives is confidence. Mm-hmm. So they look for their wife for appreciation, approval, and all these different things so that they feel confident about themselves. And when the relationship is not working and the wife decides to withdraw those uh, gifts to the husband, then the husband is left stranded and doesn't know how to, um, how to boost his own self-confidence.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay. So one of the things around confidence is there are dozens of tools you can use um, to, to, to manufacture your own confidence so that you're no longer dependent on your wife or anybody else on it. Okay. One of them is what we call integrity checklist.
2: Hmm.
3: Okay. Integrity checklist is a list of things that are unfinished for you. Things that you've started, but you haven't finished or things that you've always wanted to start, but never got around to it. Hmm. Both of those camps of items are distractions. And the more distractions you have in your life, Uh, The lower your confidence, the lower your integrity will be, and the lower your confidence will be. So when you start to knock off things on your integrity checklist, it automatically boosts your confidence. Anything from two hours to two months, depending how big the item is that you crossed off.
4: And there's many different tools, like Andre said, for building confidence, but we we lay out nine of them really clearly in the book, The Bulletproof Husband. So. We have some of this as a roadmap for men. Um, Personally, the integrity checklist was huge for me. Also, um, speaking with other men, I would call a guy after I did emotional work and tell him what happened and what I did, and we'd celebrate together, and it would pull me back up to like, okay, it, it could be very hard to go through that experience and then carry it forward through your day like, I didn't even remember half those traumatic memories. And now they're in my head. Like if you get in your head about it, that's not good. But when you can celebrate it as, I don't think I'm ever going to be triggered at that level again. Look at what I just did. Like next time my wife says this to me, I'm excited to see what happens in me because she's not poking some old thing. I've actually let that out. This is exciting. I I took on a, a context at one point of the idea that, it's like a man has a thousand tiny little doors all over him, and every little door has like a toxic gas behind it. Every time you do work, emotional work, you open one and you air it out. Nice. I'm becoming a better man. I'm becoming healthier, yeah. solid, and like I'm removing an infection. Like this is powerful stuff. Otherwise, you end up going. Why did I go back into that dark place of my childhood? You know, and you can end up in a pity party or a dark place. So, it, as he's saying, it's really important to build it up before and after, because otherwise, it's you're you're going to hurt yourself emotionally, mentally, if you if you don't do this right. And that's part of you know the the amazing thing of having all the coaches in our program is we work with men. I mean, some yeah. some guys will hire a coach one on one just to do emotional work once a week and get on a call with a guy. So you know, it's, it's amazing what, what we have available to us.
0: So, so tell us a little more. I, no, go ahead. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more, because we need to wrap up, but I want to hear more about Bulletproof. Husband. I mean, you've you alluded to it's a It's a membership. There's private coaches. Tell us a little bit more about the full spectrum of resources available, because clearly what you're sharing is amazing. So
4: I think of the three main things like a stool. Like a three legged stool. The main ones is the community where you're interacting with over 800 members. We also have
0: of the membership the community.
4: Say it again. Sorry. Is that
0: part of the membership? Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah, so everything I'm going to tell you in the three legs is a part of the core membership that, that right. people can sign up for. And so you get to be a part of the community. And the great thing about the community, too, is that you have people all around the world. So if you wake up at two in the morning and you're struggling with something, you can just share it in the community. And the guy in Australia is going to say, well, let me give you some feedback. Yeah. So you have this active participation 24 hours a day with men who are all going through something similar. Uh the second piece of it is the calls, the group calls, which I didn't even know that this was a feature when I signed up. I didn't understand from the website. And I'm like, this is amazing.
2: Right?
4: They have zoom calls, which are audio. So you could be at the grocery store, washing your dishes, whatever. And there's usually about a hundred plus guys on a zoom call and you'd get on and someone like Andre or one of our other master coaches will be answering questions, interacting and helping guys walk through practical questions for three hours on a zoom call. And so, you know, they, they have, we have at this point, zoom calls almost every day of the week. And so there's an incredible amount of, of participation. And then the third piece is the video modules, which, you know, the day somebody signs up, they get 30 videos released to them that moment, they get more videos one week in, and then it's every 30 days. So there's a whole library of stuff that tells you, how do you walk this out? How do you create wins in your life? How do you build your integrity? How do you build your confidence? And so those are the three main things. Although we have other pieces. We have one-on-one coaches available. Uh we have retreats that are available and I'll pass it to Andre. What else do we have available?
3: Yeah, so the so the the I'll be fully transparent when we started the bulletproof husband this used to cost anything from $3,000 to $10,000. Yeah. And after one year I very quickly realized that um uh, this is not in integrity with me. It's, I want to make a, I want to make a difference. This is very prohibitive. Um, I want this to be as much accessible as possible. And so we then, in 2018, we made this a membership. Yeah. And um, I I said, okay, like, come in, just experience it, just see what it is and actually trust it. And and most of our, you know, success stories are are from membership. Now we understand that there's, Men who may want to go faster, men who want to meet us and want to come to a retreat or men who need, in addition to membership, one-on-one guidance. So they'll have one-on-one coaching. Uh, So those are available, but it's not mandatory. Most 80% of the members, 90% of the members uh, making these numbers up, but approximately uh, they're very happy with the membership, you know, six Six different calls a week. Confidence call, mindset call, implementation call, and so forth. Um, You know, bullet pulling call. We have a call dedicated for bullet pulling, right? Um, And different skill sets for, you know, 25 coaches that are active, 25 certified coaches who all went through a one-year training program to actually be able to help the community. So there's a lot that you get with the membership it's in itself. And if somebody wants more or needs has different needs, then those are available as well. They'll they usually just put their hand up and they'll let us know. Um but that's the that's the, the community, the the core is is the membership
4: itself.
2: Awesome.
4: And that, that yeah. I didn't hear Andre say it, but that lowered the price from like tens of thousands down to three hundred a month, which
3: Yeah, to two ninety seven per month.
4: Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. context for me Great. Two ninety-seven yeah. is that's one hour with a divorce lawyer like that yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's let's avoid that entirely and move this. Yeah. Door.
3: And here's the thing: uh, we have a referral program. So anybody who refers one man will get one month free. Oh
2: man! So that's if awesome. we have a
3: member who refers one man a month every month, their membership is free, right? Yeah. And you can cancel time We want you to stay because you're getting the value. Not because you're locked in, or because you paid tens of thousands up front, and not no, no, stay because you're getting value, you're doing the work um and, and in fact, a lot of times I'll even t- tell men, "Hey, if you're not going to do the work, please cancel. Yeah. save your money, don't waste your time, right. but if you're going to do the work, I know you're going to stay because you'll see the value, so
0: yes. totally. hope that answers that answers good. Yes. it's That's awesome. Amazing. What I love about that approach again is it's so integral it's so in line. And, and, and full of integrity about how you originally started your journey, both of you, right? Somebody somebody shared with you this information brought you in and the transformations that ensued as you implemented the work. So it's awesome. It's very beautiful. Well, you guys, this has been incredible. Thank you so very much. Is there anything that I should have asked you that you wanted me to ask or that you wanted to share as we wrap up here? Um, for our, yeah. Our, yeah. Okay.
3: The book is coming out. September twenty sixth, it's available for pre-order. It has a lot of the membership stuff in it. And um, you know, I publicly I do this all the time, but publicly I want to say thank you to Jonathan again for being the voice in uh in making that happen. Uh the way he articulates the tools and and the concepts and how he weaved in his journey as well as other members' journey is just incredible. And I'm I'm uh, very blessed and 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 thank you, Jonathan, for we're making that happen, so we're excited. We're excited because now here's another resource that's available,
2: yeah.
3: And um, and uh, uh, more men's lives will be touched, and hopefully, more kids' lives will be saved from a broken home.
0: Awesome, thank you, Jonathan. Anything you want to add as we wrap up?
4: Uh, yeah i'll just I'll just say, you know one of the things that we're we're excited long term is our hope to see this make it into schools as well. Yeah. Um, the these materials, these concepts that uh, you know things are things are in a weird place in our society right now, and there's a lot of lot of kids suffering from broken homes, broken families. Yeah. and how can we steer the ship back to the place that Men don't feel constantly emasculated and are not not living in this place of pain, but can be healthy and solid and lead their families and lead themselves. And uh, we're we're excited to see long term all of where this is headed because we're the fruit right now already. It's just been beautiful. I I think all the time I'm I'm so thankful for what they've created uh, and how it's impacted my wife and my three young daughters and. The thought that someday maybe they can marry uh, some bulletproof men themselves. So, I
2: love it.
3: and and thank you for the two of you for uh, having us for putting this together. And uh, I am shocked how you have managed to have such a huge family so successfully. And uh, it's it's such an inspiration for me. And and uh, and thank you for, you know, getting to know each other. And and giving me the opportunity to to experience um, you know a power couple like yourself who's able to do all this and 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 do it well. Not only that, but then continue to make a difference for other families. So thank you. It's it's very honorable.
0: Cool. Well, it's been a joy. I can't wait to um, you know deal more with you guys and participate more in the community and share this with lots of people. As we have said many times, like one of our missions is to really become a megaphone for you guys and to help share this because there's a lot that can be done here so thank you for spending your time today we really appreciate it thank you
2: yeah. thank you, thank you. Thank you. take care